0: Welcome to the Granary Church Podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Lord, thank you that you are faithful. All our lives you have been faithful. So this morning we look to you, our faithful one, and we surrender, O Lord. We surrender our worries, our fears. And Holy Spirit, we stand here to, to speak life into us, to, to speak to us the, the words that you want us to hear this morning. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless, we bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are youth, welcome. We want, the youth are going out. If you're a parent of a teenager, if you want to go see, uh, meet the youth pastor, you're welcome to do so. As the youth go out, uh, I also want to welcome people who have been here visiting us for the first time. There's some friendly new faces. Please come and say hello at the end of the celebration to one of our friendly volunteers with the red lanyard or come and chat to us. It's been a big week for us all, you know, especially for the parents who Started the school again, kids. My eldest daughter Amia, she started Kindy this year. But um, I've never understood the whole concept of lunch boxes, <laughs> packing lunch boxes until until Amia started. You have to be so creative to making them look colorful, nutritious, creative in you know setting up for five days in a row. Uh, you, please pray for us. We need some faith in us. And <laughs> As Pastor Sue mentioned, we, are, uh, we have launched the new challenge, the uh, challenge of faith challenge. And Pastor Sue spoke an amazing message. If you haven't heard it, you missed it last Sunday, I encourage you to go back onto the church website to uh, listen to this podcast. It's a tough act to follow. You know, faith means to completely trust someone or something. I have done an extensive research on this word on Google, found that. <laughs> Faith is, complete, is to completely trust someone or something. The one, as, a, as a followers of Christ, we know, the one that we get to trust is faithful. He never fails. He always comes through. He is powerful. He can make all things possible not just where it's about probability what what was it pastor paul you said uh, probable possible but we know that certainly that he will come through amen yeah. that is faith and we trust we trust in jesus who is faithful yeah. you know australians uh, have this gift of DIYs. You can you can do anything like you can put flat packs together. You can do backyard projects or building houses things like that. For me DIY is a new concept Uh, growing up in India the closest DIY project that I did was Carving up a cricket bat out of a coconut palm tree. So I'm new to this concept. So a few years ago for my birthday my um, family my my wife's family they gave me a gift of toolboxes. Got all these amazing tools in it. I've never seen so many tools in my life before. Uh, Probably it's a hint from my father-in-law to pick up my game and, you know, start doing something about fixing things. And, uh, uh, you know, I've never heard of uh, terms like Phillips head or Allen key and things like that up until then. (laughs) But having this toolbox has enabled me and gave me this set of confidence that i do can i i can do things i can put things together maybe one day perhaps i do can live the great australian dream of putting flat packs and building houses together <laughs> <laughs> this morning if you don't take anything take this home what i really want to convey this morning is that faith is a tool faith is not a weapon faith is a tool you know with some people use faith Uh, use their faith to draw lines and marginalize and things like that. But faith is not a weapon to draw lines, but faith is a tool that will help all of us to come together, to know Him, to love Him, and to be like Him. When I think about trusting our Heavenly Father, especially through faith and things like that, tough times, uh, it always reminds me of... This trust that my one-year-old has in me. Uh, when I the first, the favorite thing that I uh, that of our playtime is that I take him and I throw me up in the air and he puts his arm around. When he comes down, he giggles and laughs. But some every time I do that, he he gives even bigger smiles because he knows that somehow he trusts his father. That the one who is has put me in this situation is always gonna hold 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 and take control of it. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, let's have the faith that we know that we have a father who look after us. We have a father who cares for us, who uh, we have a father who values us deeply. The title of this message is Three Amigos, because I'm talking from uh, Book of Daniel. Uh, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The reason why I said I, I titled Three Amigos" is um, I was chatting with my wife, and we're going through, uh, you know, how I say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And she's trying to, she's trying, to, she's teaching me to say the Aussie way instead of my thick rolls of uh, R's like the Indian way. And and I said I couldn't be bothered. I'll just say Three Amigos." <laughs> So when I say three amigos, think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are one of the fine young men uh, in Judah because they come from a noble family. Uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who, co- who conquered Judah, he took the men from noble families and uh, people with high IQs, yeah, young, uh, young men who are handsome, who are tall, you know, built for royalty kind of thing, to be taken as captives and taken to Babylon to teach them literature. And so we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel as I read chapter 3. You will will hear the story of of this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provi- provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. See King Nebuchadnezzar is one of, at, at his time he was, his ba- Babylon empire has gone far and wide from Turkey to Egypt. It's, you know he's he he was very feared he was winning he was he was expanding his empire and he had all this wealth every time he went to conquer a a city or a country he would gather the gold the wealth and also he would gather the gods and take them with him so he had accumulated so much wealth through his uh, through his battles through his victories and i started looking about you know, what, what is the world's largest, where is the world's largest statue? And actually the world's largest statue is in India. It's about 182 meters high, but if you also count the, the foundation and the bottom of it, it's actually 250 meters high. It's, it's a massive statue and it costed about 590 million Australian dollars to build the statue. You know, India really needed one, not the... <laughs> It openly recently opened up um, a few years ago in the hopes of having tourism. Uh, it didn't work out, but it's a six hundred million dollars anyway. And that that statue is made of steel, seventy-five tons of seventy-five thousand tons of uh, uh, cubic uh, concrete, and also heavy bronze plating around it. Um, and you know, as, we, as you hear, it's a lot, it's expensive. The image that King Nebuchadnezzar made is probably not that size, but it's closer to the Christ the Redeemer statue that's on the corner there where you find Rio de Janeiro. So it's about 30 meters high and 30 meters wide and it's made out of gold. And you know, when you talk about gold, if you talk to an Indian, you're talking to the right person because Indians love their gold, they love their bling. And gold is one of the expensive material, you know. Uh, one gram of gold would cost you, at, at this day, it would cost you $100, just one gram of gold. Imagine a statue made out of gold, how much more worth that would have been and how expensive. So this statue is not just about King Nebuchadnezzar making a small statement. This is actually making him making a massive statement about his power, about his authority. He summoned all these uh, officials, people uh, throughout his region. And and what he says is um, in, in, in verses 4, 5, 6, we see, Then the Herald loudly proclaim, uh, proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, Pipe and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar is not just making a statement there. He's kind of, you know, when you go to a movie, you, you see the, the favorite part of the movies are when it's leading up to the suspense part this whole suspense is built through music, isn't it? The background score, like Top Gun. All this scenario is leading up to one thing, the the big end. The big end is, if you do not bow down and worship the idol, the ultimate thing that's going to cost you is your life. You will be thrown into the furnace. So what King Nebuchadnezzar is building is, is building fear into people and... uh, instilling instilling that fear we all have fears you know we have fear of failings we have uh, a failure a fear of uh, fear of loneliness fear of job fear of losing the job you know there's lots of fears you know in all shapes and forms and and formats that we we, we, we experience in our daily life you know fear is something that enemy uses to separate us in coming to this full reality of knowing the intimacy of God because if he can take the faith away and instill the fear in you you would run to the you would run away from God and you run to fear you would run into hiding you know in 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 in, 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 in the Old Testament we see in Bible throughout the Bible we see you know it's the fear of what God would say made Adam and Eve, to run into the bushes. It's the fear that drove Moses into the wilderness. It's the fear that made the 10 out of those 12 tribes of Judah, of Israelites, to uh, as spies to bring the bad report about the promised land. And it's the fear that brought doubt to King Saul and his army when they were facing the giant Goliath. So fear plays a major role in, in and outs of our, in our daily lives. And so when there is an opportunity for fear to, when there's fear uh, lingering around, we as followers Christ, we know that there's a perfect opportunity for us to display the faith. It's like in, in this room of light, if you light the candle, you won't able to see as much of the candle, but if the if the if this room is full of darkness and if you light one candle, you can see the light. You see, can see the candle brighter, and it's the same thing in fear. When you light your faith, there's no space for fear to linger in that in that place because light has take overtaken that. The faith has overtaken that, and faith gives. You know, it says Red Bull gives us wings. No, faith gives us wings, but. That's what the fear uh, was doing, you know, um, in, in verses 12 to 18, we see. But there are some Jews, you know, astrologers came to the king and said, you know, king, you, know, you, dec- you made this decree, and there are few Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish men, they're not uh, bowing down to you, they're not listening to your command, and they come and say to this, the king. But there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar has summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It's treason just to stand and uh, say no to the king in those days. You, your life would, it would cost your life. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had an opportunity to face their fear and uh, uh, respond to fear. They, but they chose faith. We see the, God, uh, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, talking to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, what God will be able to deliver you? You know, who can deliver you from my hand? In, in, in return, he's saying, what he's saying is that I am the powerful guy in, on, this, on this planet. Who else can come and sh- save you uh, from my hand? I'll, I want to share you a little story of, of this young girl. who One day this one young girl went to a uh, local shop where with, with a gold coin donation, you could grab a handful of lollies and you can take as many as you can as you can fit in your hand. And so this young girl goes into the shopkeeper and gives her a gold coin and she waits there. The shopkeeper says, Why, what are you waiting for? Go ahead, grab a handful of lollies. And so this young girl stands there and said, no, if I put my hand and take it, I might only take two or three lollies, but if you put your hand and you take the lollies out of it, I might get 10 more. See... We always think, uh, sometimes we think that uh, our, our, we, we always get, get to it with our hand. But when God's hand is over our life, it changes everything. It's the hand of God that that is on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These young men came into Babylon as captives when they are young people. They couldn't survive in this nation, in, in a nation that... That that speak a different language, that worship a different God, that that follow the cultures very differently. For these guys, they couldn't have survived. Without the hand of God upon their lives, sometimes we look to the hand of in our lives too. We look uh, the, the the hand of the employer, the hand of the business opportunities, the hand of the other things. But we need to remember, as as Christians, we know the hand that is upon us is greater. He that is lives in me is greater than any in the world. Amen. Amen. So. It takes a lot of boldness and courage to stand in front of a mighty king, and facing one, one on one side a mighty king, on the other a, a big furnace, and say that you know what? I know that my not not that my God may come through. I know that my God will come through. That's faith, and not only that. He say, even if. If he doesn't come to, we're not going to bow down to and worship the image that you have set up. There are people in the eastern part of the world, everywhere, persecution looks very different in Australia. I understand that. But there are people whose lives have been threatened and challenged because of their faith. In Australia, we are so comfortable to come to a church where seats are set for us, people welcoming us and things like that. We are so blessed to have that. But imagine if your life is at risk and standing there and say, I want Jesus no matter what. I want God. I want to follow him. I want to love him. I want to even give my life away. That is kind of faith that challenges us. That's why Pastor Sue is asking us. This is not a series of faith. It's a challenge. What does our faith look like when you are not comfortable what does our faith look like when you are going through tough times? What does trusting God mean when you are actually going through the hardest season of your life? I want to leave that there. Have, have a think about it. Uh, the king ordered the strongest men to come and tie the hands of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He also ordered that the furnace, the blazing furnace, will be hotter seven times more than what it was. And we see in verse 21, 22, 23, we see, so these men wearing their robes, uh, robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. You know, the story, when I look, when I look at this story, I think the story could have well end right here. Because the, the fear of dying has already won at this stage of the passage. Because the strongest men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the fiery furnace, they were killed because of the temperature. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't. So it's already a win, but the story doesn't end there. The story continues to, as we read through, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and three uh, threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in, in the fire unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods I love that even the king up until then he was like who can deliver you I'm I'm the top gun here you know and he he was so full of himself all of a sudden his jaw got dropped he was standing there in amazement and leaping and seeing that didn't we put three men in there and how can we find the fourth one there? And, he, and they, they look like they are unharmed, they are unbound. And the fourth one looks like a son of God. The word, uh, when I think of the word, uh, what Nebuchadnezzar was saying that, he's saying that God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The word God with them translates to Emmanuel, the Hebrew word, which means God with us. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego had God with them. And it's a truth that we need to understand the same God is with us. When you are facing battles or things that are going in your life, in your family situation, in your marriage, in your kids, in, in your work spaces, things like that, how would your faith look? When you walk into that place knowing that that God is with you. How would a broken marriage sound when you realize that God is with you and you start speaking not the words of death, but not words of brokenness, but when you start speaking the words of life into that dead situation. I've been in a dead, dry, broken situation. Actually, I've lived through a cyclone. In 2014, after finishing my Bible college, I moved to India and there's a massive cyclone that our city has never experienced. Our city could never have cyclone because our city is fully surrounded with mountains and one part of the ocean and the wind doesn't travel as fast as, as it would. But when cyclone Hudud hit, the whole city was turned into a mess. Because the, the, the wind speeds were about 230 kilometers speed. And the roofs were blowing off. The trees were uprooted. Uh, the whole branches were falling off. And, you know, thing, the whole scenario looked, looked scary. And I was living on my own. And uh, my parents, who were other senior pastors of our church, they went to America for a few months, leaving the responsibility of the church. And also the children's home on the campus, and so there were kids on campus. There were there was church of, back then it was fourteen hundred people, and that size I was in charge of that. And in that time, as a young adult, when there was no one, there's no electricity. The whole in in the house, I could see I couldn't see anything. It was completely dark, and fear started to cripple in. Fear started to uh, take you know take over i was i was scared i was like what am i going to eat i was a young adult i didn't had any shopping plans my fridge was empty with half a liter of milk that's all i had and in that situation i know uh, i went i went and found a candle and lit the candle and uh, and opened my bible i sat under the uh, under the light and opened and started reading the word of god and in that time i felt the presence of god that like never before. I could feel my fear starting to fade away and I started to feel from me being how can I look after myself to God giving me faith to how I can be a blessing to other people in that crisis. In, in return, it changed from me to look into myself, to look outward. This morning we heard a pastor paul spoke speak about this beautiful artwork that we see it's not about what was going on in, in her in the first artwork in in her life the artwork changed to where when her faith grew her artwork has progressed to pointing it towards god and that's what faith does faith doesn't point to what God can do for me, it will point us to what I can do with God to other people and, and bring people to God. That's a powerful thing. That's why I would love for you to look at this challenge as, as a faith, as a tool, not as a weapon. I would like to invite the worship band to come up. It's knowing that God is with us. You're not doing this journey on your own. You're not running your business on your own. You're not running the life of upbringing your family. You're not doing anything on your own. It's God is with you. He's with you on your mountaintops. He's with you in your valleys. If you, you know, I've, I've seen God, hand of God over my life. It's, a, it's his presence that, that changes everything. I had my mom going through cancer a decade ago now. Doctors then said it was hard that we would have days with my mom. But I know that God has healed my mom and she is here. Even if, if she is not with us, I know the presence of God is so powerful that he would still bring us through it. The one who would take us to it. He has the ability to take us through it. The one who is taking you to it, he has a capability, he has a capacity to take you through it. This morning, what is faith for you look like in the next season? What can it challenge you? How can it challenge you? Maybe we've been comfortable, you know. We haven't seen the the fear of COVID as the other nations might have seen. Because we live, we live in a beautiful country. God has blessed us to be in this place and we are so blessed. But what if the car that, that you're driving is taken away from you? The job that you, you go to that brings you money, that pays your mortgage or pay, pays your bills has taken away from you? What if the one that you're relying on your regular life cycle has been taken away from you? How does faith then look like to you? This morning, as the worship team leads us into a time of reflection, maybe you've been stuck in a place, feeling stagnant, but God's plan for you is not to be stuck. It's the fresh flowing of streams. You know, a stagnant water will only create, what, (laughs) mozzies, viruses, but a fresh flowing water, steady streams of water, you would pay $5 for it to go and buy it in a bottle of water, fresh spring water. But not only that, it gives you rivers. It's, it's the river of life. Your faith is not a stagnant little thing. It's a steady stream of flowing. Sometimes it'll be hard. Sometimes it'll be challenging. But can I encourage you this morning? Lord, if I am stuck in my faith, I want you to challenge me. I want you to help me understand you even more. I want, I want to use my faith not for my prosperity, but use my faith to, pe- to have people at my dinner table. People that are you who, who cannot be or who are not usually invited to, the, to that place. Let them be invited. Let me be a channel of blessing. Think about it. Ponder upon it as the worship team leads. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.